Hey, welcome to Church Project. Uh, I'm glad that you are here. The faithful few that decided to somewhat come out when it was a little chilly today, when it was rainy and snowy. I'm glad that you're here today. A lot of our college people are out still probably eating turkey and, and hanging out, but I'm glad that you guys all made it today. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to take a moment just to honor you. If you're a guest or, or a first-time person to Church Project, why don't we give a round of applause for you? Welcome. Glad that you're here today. A lot of new people and a lot of guests, which is good. I, I also want to take a moment just to, to honor um, Dr. Heim is joining us, and I'm, no, I'm not supposed to introduce you, but I will. He, he has driven up from, from uh, Denver, and he's one of my uh, uh, professors at Denver Seminary, and so I'm excited, honored that you're here today, and I'm very nervous as well. Uh, he is a world-renowned scholar, teacher, author. He's very professional in everything that I'm going to talk about today. So if you have any questions about my message, don't ask me, ask him. It'll be I'm glad that, thank you for coming and making the drive. Glad that you're here. Uh, today, we, we're continuing the study. What we've been doing is we've been going through the book of Acts, and we've been doing expository teaching, just taking a verse at a time, a section at a time, and working through it. So we started this about six weeks ago. If you want to open your Bible to the book of Acts, if you don't own a Bible, it's, uh, there's blue Bibles next to you on the floor, and you can turn to page number 628. We're actually in Acts chapter 2. So if you've been coming, we started this about six weeks ago, and it took me five weeks to get from Acts chapter 1 to verse 12. So 12 weeks, or, or five weeks to get 12 verses. And then last week, Todd Welsh, my buddy, came and blew it out of the water, didn't he? If you were here, he took the remainder of chapter 1 and basically said, Aaron, you're going too slow, and got us all the way to chapter 2 in one week, but that was fantastic. I'm glad that he's here. I thought about backing up. And, and, and like revisiting verses, but I think you guys got excited that we jetted forward so fast. So, we're going to start in chapter 2. Now, how's that sound? Chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We're slowing down again, sorry. Is <laughs> what we're going to be talking about today. So, I want to read these verses for us, and then I also want to pray that God will show us some incredible things today, that He would teach our hearts and our minds what it is He wants us to hear today. So, let's read... Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When about the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And in verse 4, as they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Doesn't that sound warm? Maybe it's because I'm a little cold in here, but it would be awesome if tongues of fire would set on us in this place and warm up the building and warm up our hearts. I mean, I'm excited to jump in these four verses. (coughs) I want to talk through a couple things, though. Um, Right at the very beginning, it says, when, uh, about that time, the day of Pentecost, can we talk about Pentecost for a little bit? I want want to just give some some facts about this Pentecost. This word, Pentecostos, I butchered it, is a Greek word meaning 50th. Okay, and I, and, I, and I want to give some background to this because I think it's so important what we're talking about with Pentecost and what that means in Acts and what we're looking at. So just follow along with some factual stuff because at the end of this, when we land this train of 
facts uh, or plain of facts, I think it's going to really encourage you as to how Jesus is in every detail of our life. So let's get some facts about Pentecost. That, that, that word means 50th. And so for the Jewish person, it was this Pentecost was an agricultural festival celebrated 50 days after the Passover. Okay? So, so far we have the Passover and we have the Pentecost, which is an agricultural festival that's celebrated 50 days after Passover. You got that? Now, Pentecost, this word, among Hebrews and Aramaic-speaking Jews, was also known as the Feast of the Weeks or the Day of the First Fruits. And it was celebrated between the end of of the harvest festival and the beginning of the wheat festival. Now what Pentecost was, was people would come and they would offer their first bundle of their, of their harvest to God. And they would thank God for this bundle. And so it was that. It was a thank God for what's happening here. But it also what it was, was a prayer for the harvest that hopefully would soon follow. So are we all tracking here? I'm going to get to a really good reason. This is why. So... That's what was happening during that time of Pentecost, what was happening. But for the Jewish person, this was, not only, this was not only something that was celebrated for those reasons. It was celebrated for other reasons as well. The Pentecost was celebrated. It's a remembrance of the Israelites' exodus from Egypt. And if you remember and you want to think back, if you've grown up in church and you've heard about this, what happened when the Israelites left in the exodus from Egypt, they, they had to go through something called the Passover, where they put blood over the, the doorposts and the angel of death passed over them and, and they were set free from Egypt. And so that way it, that's why it was called the Passover. And what's meaningful, though, is that 50 days later, 50 days after that, the Passover, the Israelites found themselves on Mount Sinai, and Moses ascended the mountain and received the law. Now that's significant. Fifty days after Passover, when the, when the Israelites were set free from Egypt, Moses ascended the Mount Sinai and received the law. It was a significant moment in which God gave his recently freed people instructions on how they were to live their life. You get this? So Moses goes up. He comes down with tablets written in stone. And it was instructions 50 days later on how the freed people were to then live their life. Got it? That's historical fact. Can we fast forward now to what we're talking about here in Acts? 50 days after Jesus' Death, burial, and resurrection. We just saw in chapter 1 in Acts that what does Jesus do? He ascends. Much like Moses to the Mount Sinai. And what happens? When Moses came down with tablets written in the law of how these new freed people were to live their life, what happens in Acts is the Holy Spirit comes down to a freed people saying, this is how we're going to be the church. This is how to live your life. And this was happening at the day of Pentecost. 50 days. How awesome is that? When you think about how much God loves what He's doing to His people and the minute details of your life. He cares about your life. Do you know that? 
Let's think back on Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. Remember when Jesus was looking at his disciples, apostles, and saying, wait, just wait. Something new is going to come, and it's going to be mind-blowing. It's going to set you free. Remember when we were studying that? Well, why was he saying wait? So the timeline even can be lined up. So the 50 days could be lined up. He's like, not just yet. we got a couple of days still till we get the 50th, the Pentecost. Like, I'm going to parallel history, and it's going to be mind-blowing how much I'm in every detail of your life, every detail of history. I am in charge of. So in the Old Testament, when Moses went up and came down with the written law on stone, that was significant. In the New Testament, when Jesus ascended and came down, the Holy Spirit, it's written on our hearts. God is in the detail of our lives. God cares about the small things. Let's hit pause here for a moment, because some of us who may have gotten lost in the Old Testament, New Testament, bouncing back and forth, how does that land on our hearts today? What is something right now that God is perfectly fermenting in your life. I want, I want to pause on that. And what I want to do is I want us to, even in our house churches this week, when we go and we talk, I, th- write this question down. And be thinking about this question. And during house church, why don't we talk about this question? And here it is. What is something right now that God is perfectly fermenting in your life? If you like wine, that's a great analogy. It's growing sweeter. Though you think, God, are you ever going to show up? Though God's saying, wait, don't leave Jerusalem yet. Stay a couple more days. The apostles, disciples are probably thinking, what's going on? They didn't know that God was perfectly fermenting all of history and their life to be significant as he unleashed the power of the Holy Spirit on them. What is something right now you're going through church? that maybe you're struggling with, you're impatient on, things that they're hard, you don't know what's going on, but reality is if you had God's vision and and eye into your life, He's perfectly fermenting this season for something beautiful and glorious. Let's, Let's read this again. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. I want to pick apart a couple things here that, that are in here. In verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they, who's they? If you look back into chapter 1, verse 14, all, and this, the they is these people, all, all of them were together and they were in one accord. They devoted themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. This is the early church. They were all together. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And I want to look at the phrase all together in one place as well. The Spirit came to unite, not to divide. So they, the church, was together. They were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. Well, what place? Could it be talking about an actual room, a building, a location? Yes, Quite possibly, read all sorts of different things, on uh, the, theologians on that. Yes, they're, they're together, but read into that a little bit as well. What could they be? They are all together in the same place, which not only means that they're together physically, but they're together even spiritually. They were together in both place and mind. 
Look what happened in verse 14 of chapter 1. They were together, and what were they doing? They were praying. They were together. God was already knitting them together as a body of Christ. So they were together in place, and they were together in mind. What is beginning to happen here at Church Project Greeley? Can you sense this? What's beginning to happen here at Church Project Greeley is that God is knitting our spirits together. He's knitting us together. We are all becoming all together in one place. Like we have our location, but we're becoming more than just a people that are knitted together by Sunday mornings in this gathering. Like we are becoming a people that know each other's stories intimately and we care. And when there's pain, we show up with food. Of course, that's what we do as Christians. We show up with food and we show up with prayer. And God is knitting us together as one people all together in one place. Like this is who God has called to be Church Project Greeley. Right now. And he's knitting us together to love each other, to encourage each other, to celebrate with each other, to go through painful things with each other. And I got a hunch why. Well, multiple reasons why I have a hunch. Even if it was just for the Greeley at large, to look at a people that are being knit together that are, quite frankly, different (laughs) by ages by experiences, by looks for sure, right? But we are all different. And even if it was just for Greeley at large to look at the body of Church Project Greeley and go, something is different. God is knitting them together. Something is different. When the world is speaking hate and fear about America, about whatever's coming, Greeley can look and go, there's a representation of God in the flesh which is known as us. God is knitting us together, and we are becoming all together in one place, physically and spiritually and in our mind. I want to ask you this, church. Are you praying for us? Are you praying for your brothers and sisters that we would become all together in one place? That what Satan wants to distort and cause dissension in, we would grow closer united together. I love, as we read, we read in chapter 1, verse 14, that they were together, they were praying. God was saying, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And then we see in chapter 2 right here that all of a sudden it is just getting unleashed, this power on them, which is moving them into the unknown. Let's look at verse 2. So in verse, in verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And in verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So we know they're in a house. We know they're in a location, right, which is wonderful. And in verse 2, it says, like a, I, I know I'm picking weird words today, but I want to pick apart two words, like a. Does your, does your version say that? It says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. I know, we can, we can choose a lot of words to look at. And I get distracted by weird tangents, but this weird tangent I think was really important. Like a. It, so Luke is writing, and he's going, it's kind of, uh, it's like a. 
It's like a mighty rushing wind. Okay, if you were writing this, what would you put? I mean, what are you going to put to explain what's going on in this moment, in this time, as you see it? It's, 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 it's like a... Like, sometimes we're, we're speechless. The things of Christ can be a mystery. I want to say that again because as Americans, sometimes we forget this. The things of Christ can be a mystery. There's no satisfactory answer for Luke, Luke to explain what is currently happening and what is about to happen right here. This is known as, I know, fancy, ugly word. It's called a theophany. And the theophany is nothing more than the appearance or the manifestation of God. And so let me ask you, if you were experiencing a theophany, a manifestation, an appearance of God, how would you write it down? I think Leica is a good thing. Leica, I don't know, I don't even know how to do this. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you can look back and it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And this is what's happening right now to the people that are together all in one place. The Holy Spirit is coming down and God is giving us a new way to live. And he begins to explain it. It says, it's Leica. Are you fearful of the unknown? Do you like to have all of your T's crossed and all of your, di- your I's dotted? And when it gets outside those boundaries, it gets a, a little bit... Ugh. Like if you, if you can't explain everything, it puts you into a bad place. You probably weren't meant to write the, the book of Acts. <laughs> you, you probably weren't meant to, to detail these things out because... Sometimes in our Christian faith, we're going we're gonna to come across things that are mysteries, and the best thing that we can say is it's kind of like a. So if next week you were to teach this message, I think it would be beautiful for you to have to teach a message, to sit down with Scripture, and it happens to me quite often, almost every week, well, every week, I sit down and and. and, and I start reading Scripture and start studying Scripture, and I get to portions where the best thing I can do is just go, it's kind of like a, it's, I'm not quite sure what God is saying right here. And the best thing that we can do is cling to the Holy Spirit to guide us and to teach us and to take us into the unknown. Let me give you an example, and we'll hit this in about 14 years when we get there. But Acts chapter 15 it's going to take a long time. Acts chapter 15, verse 28 is a verse that I love to hang on to because I find myself in this place often. And it's the apostles. And it says, the apostles did what seemed right to them. It seemed right to them. It was kind of like a, like they didn't have all their T's crossed and all their, it's kind of, it seemed right to them. Keep in mind that we as Americans like to think God is like us. The first time I really recognized this is when we lived in Mexico, and I saw Jesus, and he looked like a Mexican. <laughs> How can Jesus look like a Mexican? Oh, we're in Mexico. How can Jesus look like an American? We're in America. How can, okay? Like, we can think that if he doesn't look just like us, talk just like us, it must be kind of weird. I wonder what the Viking Jesus would look like. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> As Christianity, as something that that looks like our lives, 
Sometimes we can get into a place, and hopefully we get into a place often because we're pushing into the unknown and we're asking God to reveal himself in brand new ways in our lives. And so when that happens, sometimes all we have is it's kind of like a, or it seemed right to us, and, and we're clinging to the Holy Spirit for God to teach us and to show us. You know what? Here's the deal. This is a Mideastern mysterious religion, and we're trying to package it in an American form. And we're trying to make it make sense. Sometimes it just does not make sense in our minds. It's filled with a ton of poetry and, and vibrancy and mystery. And as Christians, do we embrace the tension of the unknown and wait on him? That's what he asked the apostles to do. Hey, in a few days, I'm going to do something that's going to blow your mind. But wait for a little bit, because I'm aligning all of time and space and history to show you how powerful I am, how much I love you, and you're not going to understand. I'm going to take you into the unknown. It's going to be like a, and you're going to, if you're going to do what seemed right, but you're going to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And church, you can hang on to that promise today, right now. As God takes you into the unknown. As the circumstances in your life are out of control and you don't know what's going to happen, cling to the Holy Spirit. Wait on Him to guide you. Amen? Let's go to verse 3 or else we're never going to get out of here. All right. Uh, Well, let's read verse 2 just because and then go into verse 3. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Wouldn't you love to be there? The presence of God just fills the entire house like a mighty rushing wind. I personally love wind. I love the sound of wind. In verse 3, And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Whoa, time out. What? (laughs) Good luck writing this. (laughs) What I want to look at on this one is each one of them. I think, I think that's so important, and I'll tell you why in, in a minute. But each one of them, keep in mind in this place, each one of them, we have men, women, apostles, disciples, all of them are the same. There's no separation what happened. The power of the Holy Spirit fell on each one of them. This is a prophetic utterance from if, if you would love to get into the history, Old Testament stuff, look up Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 29. And this is a prophetic utterance from here. And this is what it says. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughter, daughters will prophesy. <clears throat> Isn't that awesome? Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see, see visions. Even my servants... Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And as this is beginning to happen in the book of Acts, we see right here in verse 3 that these tongues divided a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. My prayer for my life and for our people, especially here at Church Project, is that we would be a people filled with His Holy Spirit, each and every one of us. And as the Holy Spirit fills our lives, we begin to be people with prophetic words. We begin to be people of prophetic words of wisdom, and we get to see the power of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. We, that we would also begin to be a people that would ask for growth in our practices 
of how the Spirit is moving us into the unknown. So as we move into places and spaces that we don't know how to live and we don't know what God is doing, that we would ask God to guide us into those places. And it's also known that we would be the sheep that know his voice. That's my phone. Don't worry about that. I'll silence it. Jesus says the sheep know his voice. And I want to ask in your life right now, are you practicing the point of being silent so that the Holy Spirit will settle on each and every one of us and that we would know his voice? We would ask for even prophetic words, that we would ask that God would take us into the unknown. Now let's get to verse 4, and then I'll kind of summarize this whole thing. How's that sound? Sound good? Are we still with it? Okay, go to verse 4. Uh, so it settled on each, rested on each and every one of them, verse 4, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The words I really want to kind of pick apart and kind of look at in this one is filled, because that's just a cool word. And then the other section of words that I, want, that I want to really grab and I think Scripture is pulling out here is, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So if you want to put them next to each other, they were filled, these people were filled, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice that they were filled as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak in tongues. It wasn't they conjured up their own energy and they were filled up by their own strength and they did their own thing and crossed all their T's and dotted all their I's in their own way, but they were filled. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had empowered them to do so. They were filled because of the Holy Spirit. If you've been in church long, you've probably encountered some very neat and possibly some very confusing teachings and maybe even experiences in speaking in tongues. Any of you? Any of you encountered some, some pretty neat, maybe very confusing, or you've experienced some, some weird situations of speaking in tongues? Well, this is where I'm just going to kind of go, I don't know. Huh. It's kind of like a, uh, <laughs> it seemed right. I, I'm just going to be honest. And I think that's one thing that, that God is doing here at Church Project specifically is I want to be a people that's real. Can we have just conversations? This is honestly a point where I just move down into and go, all right, to set the stage, I grew up Baptist. Anyone grow up Baptist? That alone should tell you kind of my experience in the Holy Spirit. Holy what? Like, what? <laughs> so I'm going to be honest, and I want to talk through this, because I think this, again, is a great conversation for at the house church level to really just talk about your experiences with the Holy Spirit. And so I, I want to be honest about this Holy Spirit thing. In my history with speaking in tongues, this is what I experienced for the first 20 years of my life. It was skipped over. Anytime we talked about the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't even a trinity that I was taught growing up. It was like God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit. And so for the first 20 years of my life, this was it. It was just kind of skipped over. And this explained as something that happened kind of, you know, back then. But not here. Not, like, like, if so, it's going to be quiet. You're not going to ever see it. It's just, you know, that, that's... Anyone ever... Can you relate to me at all? Okay. Then I dropped out of college, which everyone should do. <laughs> Moved to Miami. Everyone should do that, too. That's kind of cool. 
and start going to wild and crazy churches. You know the wild and crazy churches? Where it's like, now it's like the Holy Spirit's the only thing you talk about. Like, you know, Jesus got a Holy Spirit, you know? And, and so my experience growing up where it was the Holy Spirit, something was skipped over a lot. Then I go to Miami, wild and crazy. In fact, to the point where, and maybe this is where, um, this is one of my deepest hurts actually in church. Because I, I thought I was a Christian. Like, I dropped out of college to start a rock and roll band, a Christian one, to tell people about God. Like, isn't that good enough? But then I started attending churches with, it was just wild and crazy where people were coming up to me and saying, I don't even know if you're a Christian because you're not speaking in tongues. I'm like, well, I don't know about this tongue thing. And it was very condemning. Anyone ever been there? Where it's like, yeah, you're a Christian, but there's another level of Christian, and that's speaking in tongues. And if you're not doing that, I don't know you're a Christian. Like, well, maybe I'm not a Christian. I don't know. And so I actually encountered a lot of pain and a lot of bad teaching in churches at this time, seeing it and being condemned. Like, Aaron, just utter some utterances and whatever. Just do it. And, and I remember it was a dark time for me. If you've ever been there, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard time to go through that. So I experienced that. And, and then from that point on, I really started searching scriptures, and, and I started, okay, I'm getting really honest. Is this okay, Ginger? Cut me off if, I, if it's too much. Started getting really honest, and I started practicing speaking in tongues in secret places. You know, my prayer closet or with the, with the car windows up and the radio jamming, just be like, And I started finding in Scripture talking about prayer languages. I thought, okay, very cool, I can do that. Came across Luke chapter 11, verse 13, and there, it's, it's, a, it's that verse where it says, you know, ask Father for good things, He'll give you good things. And I kept saying, God, give me the wisdom here, like, is this good, is this bad, like, should I, should I not, like the tension of moving into the unknown, any of you ever been there? Speaking in tongues and, and similar phenomena are very often a way of getting... Oh, oh, I'm quoting Tom Wright right now. Okay, Speaking in tongues and similar phenomena are very often a way of getting in touch with deeply buried emotions and bringing them to the surface in praise, celebration, grief or sorrow or urgent desire turned into prayer. There's a study, and someone this week told me that they loved when I said this portion of the message, because sometimes I'll say this. This is the nerdy section, so you might like this nerdy section. This is it. There's a word, and I'm going to totally butcher it, so I'll spell it to you. It's, it's glossolalia. Glossolalia. Let me just spell it. G-L-O-S-S-O-L-A-L-I-A which means this, it's the act of speaking in a language that is either incomprehensible or at least unknown to the speaker. Study this word. Study this. I mean, find different theologians, read about this word, get into this word. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing when we begin to read about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and what God is doing. Um, but I want to tell you this. I, I, I want to say this in your studies. Know this right away, that speaking in tongues is not evidence of your spirituality. 
That's so important to know. In fact, if we're going to talk about evidence of your spirituality, then why don't we just look at the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. I'll go ahead and say that. Not every believer, or, or I'm sorry, every believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. So every believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit. However, not all believers get the gift of speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 30. I'll continue the nerd section here. Because my study is ongoing on what it is to speak in tongues. It's ongoing. I've not landed this plane. I'm continuing to study and to learn. I'm continuing to go my little prayer closet. I'm continuing to say, God, is this right? Is this wrong? I'm continuing to move into the mystery and saying, it's kind of like a, it seems right. God, please guide me. And so here's another section. Uh, I read the, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, and it says this about that glossolia word. Okay, this is what it says. The scriptures descri- describe glossolia, sorry, as a, as a means of private devotional practice allowing its use for ministry in congregational settings, provided it is practiced in accordance with carefully delineated regulations and contributions to the common good. Church, are you willing to go into the unknown on this? And are you willing to go into the unknown as what it looks like to even practice speaking in tongues and being led by the Holy Spirit under a pastor that will admittedly say, I have no idea what God's going to do? Or do you want me to go get all the answers and come back? It'll be a while, but we can wait if we, I guess. I'm willing to go into the unknown with you. Are you? The only way I'm willing to go into the unknown is to know that you also are going into the unknown on your own. And I might as well say that about every message that I give. If you're waiting on me to come up with the answers to these like a seems like a kind of things or even anything that I utter, if you're waiting on me to give us the answers, you're going to be disappointed. As a church, one of the things that's setting us apart is that God is moving in all of us. And I pray as he moves in us, we each take it very personal and we begin to open up our Bibles, our concordances, our references, and we begin to dig into it and move into the mystery of what it looks like to possibly speak in tongues or have the gifts or move into prophetic words and move into and begin to ask God to reveal himself to us. Good luck intelligently backing a position in a lot of the things in your theology Because God is moving us into the unknown. I want to end with this. As Luke was writing, and just just look at this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound, like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance to do so. 
as we begin to intelligently place our theology and build this theology, I think it's beautiful, but good luck intelligently backing and having a theology that will explain God in all of his detail. Like, you're just going to come up empty, and you're going to come up void if that's the thing that you're building your faith on. It's one thing to talk and write about an ocean. It's one thing to talk and write about a fresh snowfall. Or fall leaves just gliding to the ground. Or in my case, this illustration of wind that Luke is talking about here is beautiful. It's one thing to write about and describe it with all our most intelligent words. It's one thing to do that, but it's another thing to experience it. John 3.8 says this, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. We can write about wind, but to experience the wind is a whole nother thing. We can know everything we want to know, cross every T and dot every I about God, and know how to say the word Galatia. But if we're not experiencing the Holy Spirit, it's dead. It's void. It's empty. I think one of the best gifts that I could give all of us is to ask you to give this message next week. Because you would find yourself in Scripture this week. You would find yourself coming across words and moments where you don't know what God's going to do and say. And you're going to have to cling to him with all your might to speak and utter words of wisdom to you. That's the same wherever we go. Talking about God and experiencing God are two different things. What is clear in this passage, these four verses, just to end here, is, is that the Spirit of God came upon them. You don't know why We don't know how, we weren't there, but God did his thing. Something new happened at this point in history with these people that kicked off an unstoppable movement. And we can parallel it with history and we can study it and we can keep learning about it, which is beautiful. But the moment when Moses came up and came down with the law and the moment that Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit came down, he set a new precedence for his church. And he says, I'm doing something today that is unstoppable. It's going to take you into the unknown. You're going to spend hours debating with the most intelligent men and women in the world. But the bottom line is this. I am God and I am doing a new thing. Will you listen to my Holy Spirit? Will you be prompted with, by my Holy Spirit? Will you spend time with me? Will you take yourself a little less serious? And will you take me a lot more serious? Church, that's my prayer for us. I'm excited that God is taking us into the unknown. I'm excited that we're each studying the scripture on our own, asking him to fill us with himself. Uh, That's all I got. (laughs) Professor, you want to add more to that? (laughs) You could add a whole lot more to that. Let's, um, if you would, I think this is the part that I just absolutely love the most, and this is the part, part where this thing that we've been talking about, the Holy Spirit, we can actually experience. 
And this is the part that I think is the coolest thing of what God has been doing at Church Project recently. Is we're being a people that are opening our hands, praying together and saying, God, we're willing to move into the unknown. Will you take us into these places that we might label strange as weird or unknown? And God, would you teach us and show us? And so in this moment, I'm going to ask, if you would, just, just close your Bible, close your notes. If you're comfortable with it, just hold your hands out with your palms up in, in front of you. And this is a submissive state. And in this state, just ask God, God, would you reveal yourself to me today? God, out of all the words that were uttered this morning and, and these four verses and all the thoughts that we've had, God, what are you showing me today? And if you would, just, just picture it, even in light of what we were teaching today, picture the Holy Spirit coming down and resting like flames of tongues on your head on each and every one of us, man, woman, child, as God is revealing himself to you, just picture that and say, God, I, I welcome your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's guidance in my life. God, you say that as a Christian, I am filled with this Holy Spirit. For some of us in this room, we've lived as though we're actually the ones guiding our life. Maybe in this place, your prayer can look something like this. God, would you please awaken the Holy Spirit in me and let me be aware of what you're doing? I know you're moving in the minute details in the grand picture of my life, but God, I've been moving at my own pace, focused on me. Today, would you please awaken my focus on the Holy Spirit and your movement in my life? For some of us in this room, though, we, we really, like we've never had a moment where we've just given control of our life to God. Maybe in this place for the first time, we just say, God, I've been living on my own. I know that my actions are not anywhere near what you say they should be in, the, in your word and in your Bible. God, I don't want to be in control of my life anymore. I, re I repent. I ask you to forgive me of the things in my life that don't align with your word. Make me more like you, Christ. I ask your Holy Spirit to just wash over me and make me a new creation. Church, when we move into the unknown, it's scary. we begin to ask God to reveal himself to us in, in, in cool ways, his Holy Spirit will do so. Read the Bible, it's cool, uh, filled with awesome stories of the Holy Spirit showing up in incredible ways. The same happens in our life, the same happens in our day and age. And I know on the spot, <laughs> I'm going to ask Brittany to Maybe even share a word or two with us about where she's seen the 
experience the Holy Spirit in life. Maybe this will be a story. Maybe this will be something in us that will awaken something very cool. I challenge you to ask him to introduce himself. I kind of sometimes, if I think about the Holy Spirit, I picture the genie from Aladdin. <laughs> Jesus is easy to picture, right? God's not as easy to picture in the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of us think of as like Uga Buka. But I think if you have met God, you've met the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was goosebumps when someone prayed for you. Maybe it was when you got that inkling that you should give someone a call. Maybe it was when you said something mean and you realized that wasn't okay. So the Holy Spirit has always been nudging you. If you haven't met Jesus yet, he's the one who's telling you, Jesus is good. I think we get scared because the Holy Spirit doesn't always come all simple like that. Sometimes it's uncomfortable because it turns out he's powerful. And um, I have a friend here today who's prayed for someone in Africa. Everyone's prayed for people in Africa. And you're like, yeah, Africa, cool stuff happens there, right? But when my friend Steph prayed for a man in Africa who was limping and had a knee injury, he threw his cane into the forest or into the bush and started dancing because she asked the Holy Spirit to do something. The Holy Spirit said, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for giving me the invitation to do that. And um, it's good. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is good.